0: What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TMMBaseballFan.com. It's been probably about three weeks since I've been on here, Uh, so I apologize for the uh, gap between now and the last podcast episode I dropped. Um, There's uh, been a lot of stuff that's been going on, so I figured probably uh, now would be a good time since I have a chance uh, in the evening to uh, walk around my neighborhood and uh, talk about it a little bit, so a lot of things have been going on um so first of all as you probably know the national uh is open and the number one question i'm asked each year around this time is like hey are you going to be at the national and I'm like nope sorry almost every time i say no it's too far for this homebody you know and i, I don't even really go to tristar much and that's only like 45 minutes away whenever it's in town so um but man there's some some pictures that some of y'all are showing and uh videos that make my mouth water my jaw drop like i just i love seeing what's going on over there i just you know don't really can't really stomach the idea of you know taking off for you know two three four days and you know in a plane or whatever at this point anyway so uh but anyways i don't know maybe if uh my uh youngest whenever he gets a little older maybe so i don't know we'll see um, but anyways, it's been fun. And the fun thing is, uh, thankfully for, uh, because of the internet, you really have a card show at your fingertips at all times. So, uh, and that's kind of what I've experienced, uh, over the past several years is that the better deals that I found have been online. Now that said, um, I think that relationships can be, uh, built easier belly to belly face to face and i think you can fortify those relationships better uh as well there's a lot of uh, friends i've made online uh that uh, i would love to meet in person at some point uh maybe i will maybe i will not i'm not sure um i haven't really met a whole lot of people uh in person that i started off with online unless i was like doing a deal with them like buying or selling or something Um, so that would be fun, for sure, and uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but anyway, so for the past few weeks, um, I, if you uh, have checked out my uh, my website, tmanbaseballfan dot uh, I made uh, you know wrote an article about this and everything, um, and I, I did a podcast as well about it by me basically reading it, if I recall. But the last time I was uh, I was on, I think, or one of the past few podcasts, I was talking about um, the uh, 1887 Gypsy Queen, uh, King Kelly, and uh, how it's possible that it has Casey at the Bat implications. Uh, and that's, that's disputable, uh, debatable. There's some people that might not think so. I, based upon all the research I've done and the books I've read on, I think so. Uh, but same thing with the, you know, the Babe's called shot. Was it really a called shot or not? Or, uh, you know, the reason why he, the Honest wagoner T206 uh, was in such limited supply was the contract dispute or was it because he didn't want his, he didn't want kids to uh, associate his name and face with uh, tobacco products? There's just a lot of fun mysteries uh, in this hobby. So, for me. The King Kelly mystery is uh, is really at the forefront there. Uh, super excited about. It, still super happy. It's kind of fun because like it sits on my desk or on my shelf, and whenever I see it, um, now I have like this awesome like story, this fun story that uh, that I've been able to share with all of you out there. That have gotten like a tremendous amount of feedback. Uh, John Thorne, Uh Major League Baseball's uh, historian, official historian. He commented on it. Keith Olbermann commented on it uh, to me. So it's uh, been fun to get feedback all around. Um, So, which is really kind of funny. And and, uh, (laughs) I obviously have very specific uh, interests in this hobby of ours. And they're very kind of strange because it's like, I love vintage, but I also love Canseco cards. And a lot of people do not understand that whatsoever. <laughs> One of the other questions I get asked all the time is, "Why do you collect in Seiko?" I don't understand. Like <laughs> you have these like Babe Ruths and Wagners Why Seiko? I don't understand. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's actually what's been filling up my time uh, the last couple of weeks. And uh, so, kind of what I want to talk about a little bit right now is uh, patch cards because I've had some. Pretty great, uh, uh, I don't know, happenings going on uh, <laughs> uh, when it comes to uh, patch cards recently. So I realized after the whole King Kelly amazing story and everything, I uh, found myself like, you know, not really buying much um, as far as Kinseco uh, uh, cards or vintage cards. Like, in fact, uh, up till that point, I don't think I had made a purchase uh, that was noteworthy for quite a while. Um, So, uh, but I've, I've done some trading. So I'll, I'll step back and uh, talk about uh, one of them, which I don't know if I've mentioned this to you or not yet, but uh, there is a card um, and I wrote about this in my, in my blog as well. Um, It's 2010 exquisite. So let me uh, talk to you a little bit about this card here. Um, it's kind of kind of a fun story, and this is what really makes collecting for me. When you have like a neat history or backstory behind cards, so like the King Kelly had an amazing uh, backstory. The 2010 uh, exquisite, not nearly as compelling of a story, but it sure is fun anyway. So, uh, basically, what happened in 2009? Uh, upper Deck or Tops became the official uh, sole license holder for to create Topps baseball cards uh, that were licensed. Uh, Upper Deck said, you know what? We're going to keep creating them anyway. <laughs> so guess what? Major League Baseball said, no, you're not. And they stepped in after 2010 Upper Deck Series 1 dropped and said, you're not gonna, uh, you're not allowed to release any other products. think they had like one or two products that they released in 2010 and that was it that had like logos and that sort of thing and so anyways it was uh like quite a shock like a lot of collectors like wait what what's going on here (laughs) tops is the only one that's allowed to make a licensed card what on earth and so anyways the problem was was upper deck had brought back their beautiful line exquisite for 2010 they already created them they're going to uh, seed them just like 1998 Donruss was seeded meaning that they didn't have packs of 98 Donruss crusade I don't know if I said crusade or not before but uh, for 98 crusade what they did was they seeded them in various different products of uh, Donruss in 1998 and so that's what they were going to do with exquisite now the problem was, was you know they were they were set up kind of a kind of a weird way. Upper deck one had already dropped upper deck series one, and the plan was to put them uh, the exquisite cards in all kinds of other products throughout the year of 2010. But there were no more products to put them in. So uh, because of this, um, the patch cards uh, there were only like uh, four or five I think of each made. And these cards guys, they're like, they're unicorns. Okay, so because there are people that collect the set heavily. And the problem is, is the player collectors want the action too, you know? They want like their guy in in the uh, famous uh, 2010 Exquisite set. So let me kind of break down what that means and meant uh, to Conseco collectors back then. So, uh, in 2002, or 2001, Kinseiko uh, was blackballed from baseball. He was not able to play with any other team after that. He went to spring training uh, for the Expos in 02, and I think he tried out for the Dodgers in 04 or something. But uh, anyways, 04, 05, and they had like a lot of cards um, that they are putting out uh, for Jose, and everybody else also. So 2002, uh, he's out of baseball, um, you know, in fact, last time he's taken a swing in a major league game, official major league game was almost about 20 years ago at this point, uh, you know, now, but anyways. So 2003, 2004, 2005, uh, they keep cranking out new cards of his, uh, beautiful cards, patch cards, autographs, inserts, parallels, all kinds of things, you've seen them. Um, then he comes out with this tell-all book. 2005 I think and guess what 2006 the production of his cards mysteriously dropped almost completely off the face of the earth so from 2006 to 2013 there weren't really many like just a tiny tiny handful of cards that were released of his as opposed to previous years where they were in the hundreds potentially so uh, Seiko collectors back then were like what gives what's going on now of course to add to the mix tops getting uh the an exclusive license uh that kind of narrowed down who could create the cards but uh upper deck you know they they had uh, decided to put jose in exquisite so when you think of this as a collector back then and i wasn't going after canseco cards back then but here's how i would imagine like how frustrating this would be. You hear 2010 Exquisites gonna drop and you see Kinseco on the checklist and it's numbered to 50. And you're like, oh, this is so exciting. And then you wait and you wait and you wait and nothing shows up. Like what's going on here? Well, come to find out, as I mentioned before, in spite of the fact that the serial number says 50, only five of them exist. And this is an interesting situation, guys, because uh, as you look right now, uh, or as I know right now, I've got records and I know where at least four of them are, maybe maybe fifth. I'm not sure. Uh, so I was set with this situation of thinking, man, I'm not going to have an opportunity uh, to pick up one of these unless. Uh, you know, something comes up, uh, from another hardcore collector that says, you know, what? I just don't want this anymore, but you know what the odds are of that. <laughs> so I, and plus, I mean, these cards are expensive. I mean, this could be, uh, you know, it very well could be a $2,000 plus card. Now you just don't know. I mean, it could be 3000. You just don't know. Um, based upon who else out there needs one. And you know how there's like literally no other chances so if one pops uh up on ebay for instance that might be the only chance like the last chance if there is another chance out there to be had for one to be purchased so what i did was i went to a fellow super collector and he's been in the game for a lot longer than i have like a lot longer and i started thinking about the uh Exquisite, and uh, really kind of what it meant to me as as a collector. And I started looking at all of the cards I have in my boxes. I've got one of one patches of Panini and Leaf, and I've got uh, you know these various other cards. Like uh, I mean, just you know, <laughs> a lot of cards. I at least I used to. Um, but in this box, I just realized, man, I've got a lot of cards that I know a lot of people will love, um, but I don't. Because if I love a card, it's probably going to be displayed shelf. So I took a look at all the cards I had, and I said, hmm, the value here is tremendous. Uh, but none of them are shelf-worthy for me. The exquisite is... So what I decided to do is I decided to reach out to my friend who's a who's a super collector and offer him a lot of value. Really cool cards, one of ones, patches, short prints, um, all kinds of cool stuff of Canseco. And uh, in this deal also, if I remember correctly, because this has been a while ago now, was a, uh, 98 uh, Precious Metal Gems card, I believe, if I remember correctly. And let me tell you something, that almost stole the show. Like, <laughs> it's such a beautiful card also. But, uh, and plus, you know, it's, it's like probably, I mean, it's gotta be a top three, maybe top five, most beautiful uh, 90s parallel for Jose that I've seen. And I had never seen one for sale before. So, uh, you know, so it's kind of unique also when you get a card in your collection that you've never seen before, but you actually had to trade for it. That was in somebody else's private collection. Um, but anyway, so uh, I end up uh, taking, like, guys, this took months. Like, <laughs> it took months and months. And uh, I was able uh, to uh, get a deal done. And let me tell you guys something. Like <laughs> I <laughs> I was through the roof after uh, I was able to get it. And there's something psychologically I think that I found for myself anyway that happens whenever I do a deal. Uh, first of all, I start have to I have to really look at each card regardless of what the serial number says, like if it's at five, ten, out of one. Um, I really have to look at and go, do I truly love this card? Does this card give me enjoyment? Uh, Would I enjoy another card over here that I'm trading for more uh, if I did a deal? And so it's kind of like what I was talking about over the past few months, guys, like the diamond cutting stage. So this is part of the diamond cutting stage for me. So, uh, I don't even remember, and this is kind of a testament to uh, uh, the fact that it was a good deal, a good move for me, is I don't even remember all the cards I gave up <laughs> for those two cards, which are, you know, centerpiece pieces for anybody's collection, really. Um, so, really excited to get those, and I remember uh, looking at it going, man, I've uh, collected Go." Uh, seriously since 2013 2014 and never did i think in a million years what i've been able to have uh gotten it and so super happy that uh the opportunity arose and, and to be honest with you guys like the opportunity didn't just pop up it was something literally that i had to create out of nothing uh to get done and uh, so that leads me to The next deal which has to do with another patch so um you know a while ago i was able to do a deal with a good friend of mine for a a 2001 uh gold upper deck game jersey patch cards like one of the most beautiful patches i've ever seen and super happy with it and i started thinking like how like the implications of of patch cards with, like, you know, can, you know, with Kinseiko uh, in, in particular, I started thinking, you know what, this is interesting. Um, I didn't really even notice this until the past uh, past shoot month or so, I guess. Kinseiko uh, has really only had two official patch releases during his playing career: two thousand Upper Deck game jersey patch edition. 2001 upper deck game jersey patch edition so the uh, game jersey patch for 2001 uh so effectively you could say he had a first and a last and that's it <laughs> you know the 2001 version had a regular and a gold numbered out of 25 and uh, so i picked up the one out of 25 uh from my buddy and man it's like one of my favorite cards like just the colors it's a devil double race patch And it's just incredibly beautiful. And so I started thinking about the 2000, because I I heard uh, another friend of mine who's not very public about these, uh, about his collection. He's got a massive, like an incredible uh, Conseco collection. And he showed me, he shared with me a picture about a year ago, I think, or several months ago of a 2000 Upper Deck Game Jersey patch, uh, card that he had picked up about a decade ago. And so I looked at it and I started thinking, I was like, man, I've got one of these, but the patch that he has is part of the logo. It has the R and the A in it. And yes, you know, so I started thinking really kind of the magnitude of this card. It's Kenseiko's first patch card. It's the best one that I've ever seen. Of 2000 Upper Deck game jersey patch uh, for Konseco, and uh, you know, really, it's in the conversation of you know being one of his best cards ever uh, because of this. Now, keep in mind there are a couple one of ones for 2000 Upper Deck uh, game jersey patches uh, as well, so they do have a couple parallels, but the patches, like they just don't (laughs) they they don't compare. They they aren't even on the same level, so. This is where I would absolutely take this card uh, that my buddy had uh, over the one of ones, if given the uh, opportunity, because again, you're looking at serial number versus patch quality, and you know things have changed, guys. Like things have changed drastically <laughs> over the past uh, you know couple of decades. So, 2000 Upper Deck game jersey patch, that was like the first official pack pulled. Uh, patch card ever um you know for baseball cards and so uh, i think they're probably trying to still figure things out and work things out so they're probably uh they, they didn't realize that <laughs> that may be a logo uh may not be uh or maybe uh best served as one of one and uh you know it's kind of the reason why i think you find a lot of these uh different like pre-war Hall of Fame uh, players with cut signatures in early upper deck uh, offerings being numbered to like 50 or something. Like they could have they could have used those as one of ones or whatever out of fives uh, for like years and years and years to come, but they just didn't. And so I think the card companies learned a lot over the next uh, few years after that. But uh, either way, uh, I knew one thing, I knew I wanted to get this 2,000 upper deck game jersey batch. And I knew it was gonna cost me a lot because uh, the problem is, is I've been turned down many, many times for trade offers. And uh, my buddy just wasn't wanting to budge, which is understandable. There's a bunch of cards that I have that I wouldn't budge on either, unless somebody was being unreasonable. Uh, So I knew that I had to be unreasonable what I did was I offered up a bat barrel, a uh, couple tops trajectory patches. One had part of a Rawlings tag. Uh, one had part of the, a sleeve, uh, patch. I, I gave up a couple multi-patch one of one panini cards and my version of the 2000 upper deck game Jersey patch. And I think there's uh, another card or two in there or something. And, uh, uh threw up the offer and he goes hmm you're crazy i go i know <laughs> but uh none of those cards wowed me really i was happy to have them on my box but they weren't even displayed and go, you know, well i've got to swing for the fences here so a day later he goes you know what i'll do it but tanner you're crazy <laughs> i said look i know i know man i am i am really nutty for offering up all this but uh at the end of the day, the main reason why I did this is because I know that they're going to be making one-of-one one paninis and other patch cards for tops and barrel cards till the end of time. They will keep cranking them out year in and year out. As a matter of fact, I think uh, from a production uh, standpoint, I think Kinseiko now has like 20 barrels, whereas when I first got into this, I don't think he had any barrels at least one of ones um and so when the first one popped up like is a big deal the second one popped up big deal third deal third one popped up is a really big deal as a matter of fact they're still a big deal you know <laughs> everybody loves uh loves bat barrels and there's probably only four people on the planet that have all of the Kenseiko bat barrels um which you know that'll keep the demand up for sure like they're always incredible cards however with that said 2000 upper deck game Jersey patch. You're not going to see any more made What they made is what they made and that's it and I've had the pleasure of owning um, Let's see I think about four of them now and keep in mind like the rarity is off the charts they were one in 10,000 packs if you can imagine so that means for your player if you want to pull your player it would be one in two hundred thousand packs now that is like way beyond 91 donors elite level uh <laughs> odds you know i mean that's uh that means that you have to bust open case after case after case after case just to get one you know let alone your guy so um yeah, i've seen like a handful of them also uh I would imagine that there might be, mm, I mean, this is a complete guess, but 25 to 33 of them out there. I don't know. Uh, but in any event, they're extremely rare. They will never be made again. So here's what happened. Here's the rest of the story. We did the deal. My buddy posted a picture of everything I gave up and everybody goes, oh man, that guy's nuts. Whoever was, he was insane. And uh, and I understand. I get it. I think as a super collector, I would have been uh, you know would have been borderline insulted if somebody offered that because <laughs> you know, I would say no way. I'm not going to give all up all, that all up for just one card, especially since I already have that card just with a weaker patch. But as a uh, collector now who goes after quality um, only. Not quantity, but only quality. Uh, This card is uh, heads and tails above the others that I've seen. And like I said, has to be in the conversation for one of the best Canseco cards ever made, especially for a guy like me who loves patches so much. Like patch cards are where it's at for me. I enjoy patches probably more than anything else. And the problem is with Canseco, there's not many logo patches out there. I mean, there just isn't. And so, uh, this was kind of a home run for me. I remember uh, getting it. And number one, whenever you look at uh, patch cards, they're like amazing. You have to inspect them and make sure that there's no tampering or anything. So that's kind of the first thing I did, just like I do with my other cards uh, as well. And pass the flying colors. And man, I was just so excited. I'm so excited now still for having it. And uh, even looking back, like I think it's been probably uh, close to a month now or so, and looking back at the deal, uh, man, I would still do that deal a million times over. Like <laughs> I look at that dang card every day. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that's uh, kind of solidified more of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to fill my collection with nothing but cards that I love looking at every single day and getting rid of the ones that I just don't really look at or don't really care about. Uh, Because, as I've said in the past, cards that you have in your collection that you don't really care about are likely keeping you from getting cards that you do want to look at every day in your collection. Now, I'll say that one more time. Uh, Cards that you have in your collection right now that you don't care about are very well likely keeping you from getting cards that you do want in your collection that you look at every single day. So to explain a little bit, uh, if you have say $100 worth of cards that you don't want, or $1,000 or $10,000 worth of cards that you don't want or don't care about, imagine if you could take that and just get yourself a grand slam of a card, like just an amazing eye-popping card. Um, it's very possible. So be thinking about that. And I, I've drilled this into, everybody's head multiple times now, so uh, sorry to be badgering you about this. (laughs) But I think it's uh, important to run that exercise. Regularly evaluate your collection and ask yourself, you know, maybe once a month or quarterly or yearly, what really excites me? What am I happy about? What am I not happy about? What am I just about, you know? Um, It's a very good exercise because uh, I think as collectors, our tastes uh, change, and because our tastes change, uh, I think our collections should, and they can, uh, too. It's just a matter of actually putting in the work to do it, like to emotionally, mentally detach from cards that you don't really care about, and putting the work to put them up for sale. Um, so, anyways, but yeah, it's been it's been fun. Um, it's been a really fun exercise. I uh, grabbed a couple absolute monsters and uh that were not available that were simply not available (laughs) and uh that's part of the fun for me also i guess is uh realizing that these cards would not be in my collection had i not gone above and beyond and offered things uh, to these people that money would not have done it i literally could have offered each one of these guys two, three grand uh, cash and they would have just laughed and said, nope. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of the fun part about this also is realizing that, you know, these aren't just simple uh, cards that popped up on eBay and, uh, you know, that's it. You know, just, oh, I found a card I liked and I click buy it now. Now there's months and months and months of negotiations. And in the end, what this does is it also creates a fun backstory for the card um, to remember how they came into my collection and so that's part of like i said part of the fun for me um instead of just like a you know simple buy it now i mean anybody can go on ebay and buy a card i mean that's uh, that's easy uh now when it comes to finding cards like these that never pop up you know that's a whole other ball game so Um, It's been fun. Like, I gave up a lot to get these cards, but these two cards, the 2010 Exquisite and the 2000 game jersey patch with the logo, um, they are grail cards, they are unicorn cards in every sense of the meaning. And uh, they're just super exciting to me. (laughs) As much as I love the King Kelly stuff and the 19th century cards, in baseball history, Canseco stuff like this just does it for me also. You know, I just, <laughs> I really love it. So anyways, uh, I have more to say, but I'm going to wrap up for now because I think we're uh, going past the 30-minute mark. And uh, like I said, yeah, there's a lot more to come. But for now, we'll, uh, we'll go will go stop there. So thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, don't forget, as always, check out my book, Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict, available on Amazon. I'm actually running a sale. Uh, 10 bucks for the paperback and three bucks for the uh, ebook that runs until the end of July. so for the next couple days. So uh, thank you again, everybody for listening. I hope you' all have a fantastic day.